Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We are just 24 hours away right when we're recording with the early signing period for USC. So we're going to talk about some recruiting. we talk about getting Graham Harrell locked up to a three-year contract. we got Dan Weber and Keely Yor in studio to talk about that. USC is also practicing for the bowl game, uh, the Holiday Bowl against Iowa. So Dan Weber was out there. Late last week, we'll talk about what he saw. It wasn't an open practice, but there'll be an open practice a little bit later today and Wednesday tomorrow. So we'll uh, give you an update of what's going on as the Trojans uh, get ready uh, for. I, the- I hate to correct it, but an open twenty minutes. Oh, sorry, Dan. Uh, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> twenty minutes of practice is open, but we get to talk to players. You know, so uh, this that, that's our new definition of open. We thought it might change, but it's still this way. So uh, only three or was it three? Quote, open practices? Three. Three. Uh, two two here and one in San Diego. Okay. So, you know, full disclosure, they're going to let us see what's going on and everything. There's so. open one on Monday at USC before they head down to uh, San Diego. So, yeah, I think there's three you can watch. Oh, that's four, right. Three four, and then one. Yeah, so four open, one in San Diego on Christmas Eve, and then the 23rd at USC. And then for – but then only three days that players or coaches are available, right? I think that's the – I believe four. I think three with both of them available, only one. I mean, then one with uh, Clay available. Okay. We get to see, uh, but only Clay is available the day they go to San Diego. We're hashing it out now. You know, this. if we had the you know forethought to have a pre-production meeting, we would have just like gone over all this stuff. But, you know, this is more fun. This is the holiday season. We just want to kind of talk it all out. And we're going to, you know, talk about everything you want to talk about. Lots of questions. You guys have sent in today and some newsy stuff, but you already heard from everybody. I'll welcome them in, though. Uh, Keely, yours here. Hello, Keely. Hello, hello. What's going on? And we got uh, Dan Weber, who said hi already. Hello, Dan. Hey, Ryan. Keely. Hello, Dan. <laughs> we're all, How you doing? We're having fun. We're all part of the uscfootball.com team here and doing our best to bring you the best coverage of the Trojans. And there's lots going on. Maybe Dan, let's start off with uh, what you saw last Friday. Uh, you put some go. I believe it was Friday. You put some ghost notes up of uh, players walking. In. You couldn't go in watch practice, but you got to see guys uh, walking in and see who was healthy and all of that. Yeah, I thought they were really upbeat. Uh, very fresh legs. I mean, really, really, really fresh legs. Uh, 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 Graham Harrell was uh, freshly shaven, uh, so he looked uh, he looked very good. Uh, everybody, I thought it was. Uh, Except for Marquis Step, it I would be surprised if uh, if his ankle has come around. He didn't have pads on. Uh, he'd have been the one I think that could really contribute if he were were back to a hundred percent. That would be a shock, I think, if he if he got back to a hundred percent. But uh, but you know, seeing Michael Pittman, knowing that he's gonna gonna practice, and he looked very uh, you know excited to be there after coming back from the awards shows. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the coaches were all there, uh, and you know everybody. Just it was a it was a very positive feeling about uh, about this team. Uh, they, they're playing catch up a little bit, and they know it. 
with uh, Iowa having had minimum three and probably four or five practices uh, before USC got to practicing. And, uh, you know, they're only going to get 11 in. And they had given up the uh, the bye week when they could have practiced and, and did not. And so uh, so playing a little catch-up, maybe not as much as some other uh, bowl preparations. But, uh, um, you know, I thought you, know, you like the look. Of, I mean, they feel good about themselves, whether that will help them block and tackle. I don't know. But, uh, but they know they can throw it and, uh, and catch it. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And, uh, you know, one of the positive aspects – Keely, maybe we'll get your thoughts on this one first. We talked about how important it was to lock up Graham Harrell. You took an offense that was pretty meh and turned it into something special and, uh, you know, top five passing offense in the country, uh, even using three different quarterbacks uh, throughout the season. Graham Harrell, uh, they announced, and I thought this was smart by USC to tweet it out and say, hey, we locked up Graham Harrell, especially a couple days before signing day, where sometimes they don't always do that. I think Bruce Feldman tweeted that it was going to be a three-year deal, one point two million a year yep. per season, uh, per season, yep. and that's you know Texas was offering over two, uh, so that's pretty interesting to see. But you you know USC, they, people say USC don't doesn't um, invest in coordinators. They've typically paid coordinators, like you know Monty Kiffin made a lot of money. You know I think Clancy Pendergast makes a bunch of money uh, now. You know Graham Harrell over over a million dollars a year. I think they've invested in coordinators, maybe not everything else, but coordinator wise, I think they've invested, but this was to me, Keely, a smart investment. You needed to lock him up. That was, that's the one bright spot you had on this coaching staff. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You had to lock down Graham Harrell. He was the one good thing about USC, (laughs) basically the last season. So negative. No, (laughs) no, you know what I mean? Um, But, uh, it makes me wonder because Chuck untweeted this and I agree. It was kind of lesser than I expected him to get. Now we all talked about how Clay Helton said now they have the resources um, to be a championship program. So what does this mean? The extension for other resources? Where do they, the money go? Does the money, ha- is it available for other coordinators, movements after the bowl game, et cetera, et cetera? We shall see, but definitely a good thing, especially before we go out there to practice. We'll know that he's coming back. So we don't, have, he doesn't have to field those questions that I know he probably wouldn't like to field. Right. And then also helps with the early signing period as well. Yeah. What did you think about Dan? Yeah, I, I think it. You know, you don't want to overpay, and if if you could get him for three years and one point two, uh, you know, good for USC. I thought they reacted immediately with the word out of Texas, and you know, we always had the word that he probably didn't want to go there, and you know, he would have gone from the literally hottest seat coach in America this year, Clay Helton, to the guy who's next year's hottest seat coach, which is Tom Herman. And I don't know that his offense blended with what Herman has always done or with the talent that he's got there. Whereas it, you know, you know, going into next year, what kind of talent he's got coming back. I mean, he's even got an insurance policy. You've got, uh, you know, two starting quarterbacks, uh, both of whom had a full season as a starter with JT Daniels coming back and, you know, announcing that he's coming back. So even there, you know, this is a good situation. Um, I think it was interesting. USC probably started the whole high paid coordinators because Monty Kiffin was by far the highest paid assistant coach in the country. I mean, back in the day, he was getting one and a half million dollars a year. I mean, that was, that's, an, that's really a big deal now. That was unheard of 
back then. So when USC had to do some things, they uh, were not always sure how that happened, but it did It did happen. I think what it does also is it sets, well, it says a couple of things. Coordinators really, really matter. Look at what happened with LSU. They got uh, the uh, Brady, uh, the offensive coordinator came in from the Saints and he and Burrow together uh that was what you know Edwards Ron has always needed, and that was like instantaneous. And um, I think it might send the message that if USC is in the market, which they almost have to be for other coordinators, that they are willing to pay, and they are willing to go with multi-year contracts. Now, that may not make people happy when they say, "Oh, wait a minute, you're locking in the staff." When all you know, we have so many people who just can't stand it that Clay Helton is coming back, and then any sign that okay, he may be back not just for next year, but you know, moving on the next couple of years. You know, I, I know that's going to not play that well with some people, but you know, if you want to be as good as you can be next year, you may have to. You know, what did they do last year that made the big difference? They changed the offensive coordinator. Uh, I think the principle there follows about you know the other coordinators and uh, now they're saying we're willing to you know put out some cash so uh, we'll see how that plays out in the next few weeks but uh, I would that's a, that's a, those are developing stories to keep an eye on yeah for sure uh, I don't think we'll know much until after the bowl game it's just a weird time and you know makes what makes this time even weirder is that early signing period starts tomorrow so the third Wednesday uh, of December is now basically de facto signing day. That's when 90% of the players are going to sign. Uh, we'll have a ton of coverage up on uscfootball.com. Uh, Gerard already made his uh, predictions thread. That, you know, USC still in for a couple of five stars. Uh, mostly three stars are committed right now. None of the top 25 in California, but I think that's going to change tomorrow. How much it changes, that's going to be... Uh, it, it, USC will move up from... In number 81 or whatever they are right now, uh, 11 or 12 in the Pac-12, up. Will it be up into the 40s or will it be up into the, the 20s? I, I mean, 20s might be a reach, but depending on you know who USC signs, it's kind of a uh, it's gonna be kind of a big deal. I hate the timing of when this early signing yeah. period is. Um, we do have a voicemail about recruiting. You want to play that or do you have? Go any? for it. Okay, let's let's play this one and then we'll talk a little recruiting, guys. Hi guys, Rick from Lamarada again. Just wanted to shout out about this recruiting class and all the three stars. You know, a super coach that is, that can take control of everything, obviously ownership or a president and AD are more concerned with other things. You'd think they'd want a coach that could take care of everything and just, they could kind of leave it at arm's length. But if you think about it, Helton would be a top-rated coach at San Diego State, somewhere else that just loves three, that can get three stars and give their small conference a push. But it's definitely not at USC. Terrible to say that. I don't still have no answers. I don't even think anyone's got any answers why we are where we are. But thank you again, and uh, fight on as much as you can. Thank you very much. That, that's a defeated Rick right there. That's so Holy sad. God. Man. 
But I mean, that's a, a redoing of the uh, the thing, the fight song. Fight on, dot, 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 as much as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Not to victory, just fight on as much as you possibly can. If you can. I mean, you know, basically what we're talking about, Ryan, with what you said is, USC's not just trying to draw, uh, you know, one card to, for an inside straight. I think they're trying to draw one card for a, like a royal flush, and and the odds of doing that and doing it a couple of times on the same day are, are, are pretty long. I mean, you know, they put themselves in a corner, and um, you know, you hate to say that maybe one of the reasons they don't practice as much is because they got to spend all their time making up lost ground and recruiting. Uh, that's probably not a good game plan, and I know, you know, there, it was always well USC closes well, and we we don't need to get out in front of things, and we don't need to have guys in early, and you know that that always sounded like to me an excuse for not working real hard at it and staying on top of it, and you see the difference in the Pac-12 when um, uh, Mario Cristobal comes in and he brings Southeastern Conference style recruiting to the West Coast. And everybody's like, ooh. And, of course, <laughs> in the uh, all Pac-12 teams, they basically voted, you know, Oregon off the island, I guess, right? They, they kind of just nobody would vote for the Oregon players and, you know, all of that, that kind of stuff they used to do a little bit to USC. But, uh, I mean, I think that's how you got to do it. And I don't think you can wait until the end and hope you can flip this guy or that guy and – you know, the things that USC might have to do to flip some of these guys, you know, maybe that's a good thing if you learn your lesson and you don't get yourself in this box uh, going forward. But uh, but having to, you know, tell everybody, well, now we're, you know, the last three days, we've really made some progress in recruiting. And you think, wait a minute, it's like a whole year. And now you're going to, you know, make a rush to the finish. Uh, that's probably, again, not the way to do it. Yeah, and I think USC kind of, and you know, to be fair, Rick, USC Clay Elton doesn't, you know, this has been a new thing recruiting the three stars. It's been a new thing for USC. We just haven't seen it. But once USC started to falter on the field, and then everyone thought Clay Elton was going to be gone, his his power as a recruiter kind of diminished a little bit. Now Gerard will say up and down that that recruits do like him, but this is you know we saw after five and seven, we saw after all the uncertainty. It was going to be really hard for him to sign a great class. And he doesn't have, he has a bunch of part-time recruiters on this. So it's sort of been like a perfect storm where does USC recruit itself? I mean, somewhat, but you're seeing, you know, the last couple of years, that's not really the case. You have to do some things around USC. And then also not having the great recruiting staff to kind of put it all together, having Clay Helton be on the hot seat and all that, that you're seeing the results happen now. And then Keeley brought up a great point on tunnel vision you needed to give USC every advantage possible. And we knew recruiting wasn't going to pick up until we knew what was going to happen with the head coach to wait 11 days after your last game to either say he's gone or coming back. I, you know, I agree with Keely. I, I think that set recruiting back uh, more. You could have given yourself a better shot at some of these guys. If you would have just said, if you knew he's coming back after the UCLA game, say Clay's coming back and then you could recruit to that. But you had 11 days where you had time off, didn't practice for the bowl game and basically couldn't recruit because you were in limbo. 
Yeah, Greg Biggins, his whole thing is that uncertainty is the worst thing for recruiting. Whether it's a firing or or keeping a coach, either way, there is some um, stability there. You know what's happening. Whereas with USC, they waited for 11 days, and you, and you have these coaches out on the road, and you had coaches in, in 2018 who got fired on the road, essentially, trying to tell these kids, hey, no, we're going to be here. That's what we think. That's what we hear. And so having to wait that long just didn't help USC at all, and they were already behind behind the curve. Yeah. You know, and the other thing, I think if you're going to recruit three stars, say like Utah, you better have the kind of program that develops those guys. And you better practice like you're, you're, uh, you understand that you need to develop three stars. You're not just, you know, guys that are ready to go when they get here and all of that. And when you take the first week of, uh, you know, that you could have practiced, the bye week at the end of the season, that was the week for developing those three stars in the program that maybe haven't had a chance. And you really go at it. And you don't worry about, you know, being physical and all of that because you got more than a month till the bowl game. But, uh, but, but that didn't happen. And then there's the, uh, you know, the uncertainty. We still don't know what was going on in those 11 days. I mean, that was hardly a, you know, a, a vote of confidence for the coach. I mean, it doesn't sound like you wouldn't think that they were completely behind keeping Clay Helton. If they waited 11 days, I mean, there's no, there's no explanation for that. And, and there was no, what new information about USC football or Clay Helton came up and did they learn in those 11 days? Obviously there wasn't anything to learn there. So something else caused that to happen and something else caused it to, you know, be resolved in Clay's favor. But you know, it doesn't look like you got a plan when you're doing that. There does not seem to be, I mean, if you looked at Utah, they've got a plan. You know, maybe it it lets them down most years at the end of the year, uh, but they've got a plan and they do what they do. Uh, Oregon's got a plan. Does USC have a plan? Uh, I don't. I don't see it. I don't know what it is, uh, and and that probably doesn't work. Yeah. I think it's worth clarifying that it's not like USC is just solely going for three stars, like the voicemail maybe would have suggested they're they're right. aiming high it's just their their play on the field kind of dictates the star level that they yeah. will get that was a misnomer <laughs> last year too because it was the worst recruiting class we've ever seen you know rank number 20 and and dad pointed out that there's a lot of guys that could play that you probably re-rank them you got chris Steele, you get brew mccoy they weren't part of the class but it wasn't because they didn't want to recruit the chris Steeles and brew mccoys they did didn't get them then they got the secondary guys they got the plan b guys they got the three-star guys and some people are saying, well, no, you're going after those guys because you're trying to get our kind of guys. Like, that's a Chris Peterson thing. That's a, you know, uh, Kyle Whittingham thing. USC wasn't going after those guys. They went after the regular four and five star guys, didn't get them, and you were left with three star guys. So if you were just only recruiting those guys that you're evaluating, we only wanted Keaton Slovis. We didn't want someone else that was ranked higher or whatever. Like, that's fine. But that wasn't really the case. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a different beast. If you're only recruiting those guys because that's what you want to do, fine. But that's not the way – that's not USC's DNA when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, and it, it's hard to, you know, critique this stuff from the outside for a lot of people. But, for example, why did they get Keaton Slovis? Because Brian Ellis insisted that they had to recruit him. What happened to Brian Ellis? He got, he got excoriated on the P. 
He was the Western Kentucky guy. He shouldn't be at USC, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's now back at Western Kentucky where they won their conference championship. And, you know, I mean, I'd be – a lot of people are throwing a lot of charges around on the P right now and act like they know stuff. They didn't. They didn't know what you know Brian Ellis did last year. Brian Ellis left USC with a pretty nice gift, a parting gift, uh, for a guy who got nothing but criticism uh, from uh, the geniuses on the P. Some spice. A little spice there. I like it. Spicy. But um, last thought. Sure. Um, the interesting thing about this class specifically, and and Gerard mentioned this on the on Tunnel Vision, but. When you mentioned the Bryce Youngs, the, the Justin Flows, those are guys who actually have a, a heart for USC. If USC could just put a better product on the field, a better 10 wins or more, I think it, it would have kept the commitment of a Bryce Young. And imagine if you had that guy working behind the scenes in this class, it would be a completely different ball game. So it's just crazy to think how if USC could have just put the pieces together a little bit better, this could have been a completely different class. Yeah, if they'd have done what I said they should do, 10-2, and two, how different would that have been? Had they not blown the two games early, Brigham Young and, and Washington, that obviously they're better than those teams. They win the Pac-12 South. You know, they were pl- they'd be playing in the championship game. They'd be in a, maybe a better bowl game, we're guessing. And um, uh, that changes things around, all little things like that. I mean, they, you know, it was uh, – Awful the way they went into the Brigham Young game. They were no more prepared, no more mentally ready uh, for you know the first road game and all that. And then the Washington game, they actually didn't think they were better than Washington. As it turns out, you know they're significantly better than Washington. But that's uh, that's the kind of you know preparation that hasn't happened, uh, and all the little details that you got to get right. But the second thing you got to get right to get get the five stars and four stars in California to come here is you got to start putting guys in the NFL draft, significant numbers, and that's dropped off. That's com- and, and most of those kids uh, are looking at USC as the way to the NFL. USC was the number one school in uh, first-round draft picks and overall number one draft picks and total draft picks. That's not the reputation that USC has right now for these kids coming out of high school. And that's got to change. And uh, USC's got to do something about it. And I don't know that, you know, that they're doing anything about it in, in terms of just the, the basic preparation, you know, for this bowl game. Yeah. Should we jump in some questions, Keely? Or is there- Speaking of which, oh. we have a question about preparation for the bowl game, if we want to jump into it with sure. that nifty transition. Jeff from Wichita, Kansas, sent us an email that said, Dan, based on the lack of physicality we've displayed over the past few years under Clay Helton, are you optimistic a change will be made going forward in regard to practice, uh, intensity, and physicality? Or do you suspect more of the same, more talk, and less action? Thanks, and fight on, Jeff. Yeah, that's a really good question from Wichita. Uh, uh Last year, they fooled us again. And, you know, people say, oh, that's all. Yeah. Well, they had a physical, fast, uh, I thought really good spring practice. And they did nothing but practice hard and, and go at it. Uh, they had a really good two weeks of fall camp. And then we weren't able to watch them anymore. And they started, you know, doing the typical, uh, you know, semi walkthrough uh, weekly game preparation stuff where they don't tackle, they don't really hit anybody, uh, and, 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 and they regressed. I mean, it, it's really a shame. Uh, but, you know, this isn't the first time they've, they've, they've done that. But, uh, uh, you know, if, 
if you go back and you have a majority of the you know same coordinators i mean i think the only way that changes if you have three coordinators who tell clay this must change we can't get any better uh if we keep practicing like this uh, i mean i think they they did what they could on offense i think they they built and they they you know they developed quarterback friendly offense that three different quarterbacks could win games um, and they, I think they evolved. They, they were in a true air raid, I think, the first half of the first game. When JT Daniels goes down, they realized we probably got to go a little bit different direction. And they, they built on the strengths of their, you know, their wide receiving group. And that got better as Drake London got better. And, um, you know, just the fact that you got to defend at least four of those guys every game. Uh, I thought that was a good thing. We did not see the same thing happen on defense or special teams. And, um, you know, that's got to change. And if, as long as it doesn't, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. You're, you're going to lose games on the road that you probably should have won. And that's going to affect, you know, how, how the season goes. But, uh, you know, that, this team had a chance to have a really good year, even without great improvement in things like tackling and blocking. Uh, just because of their their talent matchups, and 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 that didn't happen. Will it happen going forward? Not unless they just make some changes in the people who are making the decisions. Yep, would have yeah. to agree there. Our buddy John and Brea sent us an email saying, "Dear Ryan, Dan, and Keeley, I just ran Dan's article on USC's bowl preparation. Groundhog Day for sure. Is Clay Helton the world world's greatest con man or what? What is your read on how the players are reacting to Clay being retained? My hunch is that the starters are happy, but the reserves are wondering when they will ever get a chance to compete and play football. John and Brea. Well, I think some of the players would like to get pushed a little harder. I mean, I think personally." They don't, you know, they don't begrudge Clay. They they know he likes them. They know he wants them to like him. Uh, I think I think there are guys who really wish they got pushed harder. But you know, this is all they know about college football is what they know at USC. And uh, so I, I just think if the guys that are going to the NFL and that, I think they definitely wish they were pushed harder. Um, but and then I think the guys who would wish they could get a chance and say, "Could I compete for those jobs?" I mean, that's one of the really smart things that Clay, or excuse me, that uh, Pete Carroll did in bowl prep to keep it interesting and and make those 15 practices work. Is they they gave a, a lot of kids chances to show what they could do who maybe haven't been you know able to do that during the regular season, and you know you had the regulars kind of rooting for them as they were, you know, scrimmaging and doing things like that. And I think that's an opportunity missed. So when you put, you know, bowl prep off till last weekend, it's really hard to have enough time to do that and still get ready uh, for your opponent. So I think that was a missed opportunity. Again, um, not something if you're trying to build and you're needing to build on some, you know, three-star guys, that's one of the things you have to do. And I think that's a missed opportunity this year. Yeah. 
We have an email from Dan, class of 1962, who says, Dan, I really enjoyed your column about the Holiday Bowl with USC playing Iowa and the memory lane visit to the 2003 Orange Bowl. This game, especially the preparation for the game, will let us know if Clay Hilton can become a good head coach. Will he use all 15 practices? Will he actually practice tackling during those 15 practices? Will Clancy Pendergast and John Baxter still be coordinators, or will they be fired? Will the early signing period bring in some talented recruits? Of course, the game itself will tell us if Hilton can fight on to victory. I also hope that Bone and President Fult enjoy the game because now they are they own this coaching staff. Win or lose, Trojan fans can look forward to playing Alabama in September. Fight on to victory, Dan, class of 1962. Hey, they, uh, they own a couple of game balls, too. Now we'll see if, uh, if there are any more game balls coming their way in the next two games. That'll be, uh, be interesting to see. Uh, I think you've already answered the question. They're not going to use up all their bowl possible practices or their last week of the regular season practices. And uh, I think that's, you know, I would guess, I would venture to say in bad weather, Iowa, they're going to use up all their practices. I would, you know, and again, how long will it be from uh, uh, November 23rd to December 27th? Imagine if you go that time and avoid tackling, like real tackling, actual tackling to the ground, the way Alabama does it or the way LSU does it during the regular season. That's a long time to go out and then have to line up against a you know a team as good as Iowa that uh, that you got to tackle them the first time you you know you you break down and and hit them and um, will they be ready to do that I don't know will they do what they need to do to get to that point I don't know I don't know we haven't seen evidence of that but uh, maybe this <laughs> my philosophy to some extent because people want well. If people making the decision see this and see it doesn't work, they'll change their mind, right? They'll they'll do something different. That doesn't always work at USC. You know, they, they there are often times where the same mistakes are repeated, as we say, over and over and over again. Uh, but uh, so what my philosophy kind of is right now is as it was with Pete Carroll. I just want USC to be lucky. You know, they were lucky to get Pete Carroll. He was he really wanted the job. He needed a job. He was down the list and they got to him because the other guys turned it down. Um, They got lucky. They got lucky that Ed Orgeron didn't start looking for a job right away and started recruiting like crazy uh, to get Pete off to a good start. Even before Pete got here, they got lucky. I mean, they they got lucky. They they got lucky with Norm Chow bringing him back from North Carolina, North Carolina State. And, and, you know, they, they did their homework. But they kind of also uh, were fortunate that, that that it worked out the way it did. And um, uh, so what do I think right now? I think you want them to get lucky and just get, you know, get some things right almost by luck. Yeah, that lucky. It's better be lucky than good, we always say. Uh, real quick, though, on the 15 practices, I, it's, I believe that's a misnomer. I think Shotgun pointed out that the, in the actual rule book, there's not – you're allowed 15 practices. I think it's like – there's a number per week, but you could USC definitely could have been practicing more than they were. You can practice every week. There has to be there's a limit on you know full pads and all that kind of stuff, uh, and you have to have days off and things like that. But um, USC yeah, could have I been mean, practicing. They could have had a, yeah, they could have had a full week the week of the champ uh, the uh, final week of the season. So that's giving up twenty hours of practice. Okay, so that could have been on top of all the practices that you're allowed for the bowl. So USC could have had, you know, the 20 hours of practice, you know, last week, 
this week, next week, and still had that week prior as well. So yes, he probably could have had about four weeks of practice and they're going to get about two. Yeah. It could have, I mean, it really could have been more than 15 practices if you wanted to put it in. Now, finals and stuff are going on. Recruiting's going on. That's why I don't like the early signing period where it is. But could USC have done an extra week like that, you know, following uh, the the UCLA game where they had their bye week? Yeah. I mean, I think they they definitely could have put in more practice time than they than they did. And, you know, that's a it's a decision. It's been a consistent one we've seen from Clay Helton and his staff. So we'll see how it, you know, plays out. Don't we kind of know how it'll play? <laughs> Not to be Debbie Downer here. I'm, oh, like, I'm sorry. Clay, Clay's first bowl game. Clay's first bowl game. Maybe put a template in his mind that you can do this because that's when um, uh, Ed left and he had to jump in there for the Las Vegas Bowl. And I think they got six practices in for the <laughs> Las Vegas Bowl against Fresno. And and you know that was a pretty decent Fresno team. It just didn't have the anywhere near the depth of talent. Even though USC was only playing with twelve or thirteen guys on defense, and uh, you know they had they just had more talent and showed up ready to play, and really you know kind of leveled that Fresno State team. And uh, so that was one time where you could not practice a lot. And that was a team that was kind of beat up because of the numbers by the end of the year. So it worked out, you know, for that team. But that doesn't mean it's going to work out, you know, for the rest of the time because it hasn't. You yeah. know, when it didn't work out, the last Holiday Bowl. Right. And I think the one thing maybe that, you know, if you say Clay Helton doesn't really learn from the mistakes. I think he's learning that he doesn't need to fire the whole staff before the bowl game. And then maybe fire, if he does make some firings, it's going to be after the bowl game. So give yourself a better shot of the bowl game. So that's something they did against Wisconsin and you were coaching with like strength coaches and stuff. And, you know, there was a lot of weird stuff going on there. So maybe, you know, if he does make a bunch of changes and he waits till after the bowl game, that's a lesson learned from the last time they lost the bowl game. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even his staff. It was what he took over from Sark. Sure. Okay. That's a a fair uh, counterpoint. I don't know why I got so spicy on that one point, but I like it. Good. <laughs> we have an email from Steve, USC class of 97, who says, This is for Keeley, Dan, and Ryan. Like most alumni and fans, I was deeply disappointed in Mike Bone's decision to retain Clay Helton. I truly hope that Bone's decision reflects a desire to rebuild the USC program from the ground up. And then in parentheses, he says, First, Red Heritage Hall of the Rock plugging it, and then once a better foundation is built, then find your long term coach. That being said, I have composed, composed a list of things that Helton could do in the next year to win back my trust and maybe the trust of other fans one keep graham harrell we'll check that happened two replace baxter and clancy pendergast three take holiday bowl prep seriously and bring home a win four physical practices with actual tackling five open practices transparency breeds accountability six beat it beat alabama or at least keep it within one score, for God's sake, he says. Seven, win the Pac-12 and be in the playoff discussion. Eight, if not in the playoff, then win the Rose Bowl. And then he says, short of that, Bo needs to let Clay go. USC needs to act like the elite program it has been and can be again. Anything you would add or take away from that list? Thanks and fight on, Steve, class of 97. A lot of points, well, Steve. Steve, I think uh, it depends on what sport you're talking about. Three out of eight. I guess in baseball, if that's 375, that's pretty good. Uh, three out of eight and a lot of other things is probably not good enough. Uh, and so counting your eight points, I guess, uh, maybe I could give you three of them that are realistic. Uh, and I, I do think you might have an assumption there 
that uh, it might not be absolutely correct when you say Mike Bone's decision to keep Clay Helton. I don't, I don't know. When we factor in the 11 days that it took and the fact that they basically looked like they were making up the announcement as they walked into the team room uh, last Wednesday, uh, I don't know that you could say whose decision that was or what kind of a decision it was. So, uh, uh, and I think, one of the issues at USC is you say, well, let's take a year and, and, and get all the foundation correct. Who's going to do that? You know, I mean, what, what sign do we have at USC that there are people in place, in enough places, to get the foundation correct? There are some people who think, wow, you bring in the right head coach and he does the foundation. He just tells you, this is what we need to do. If, you know, you're going to say we still want national championships, which they keep saying, and this is how you do it. This is what you do. And, and that may be the way you get it done. And you have an athletic director who says, yes, sir, we're going to do that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm a little bit skeptical about the fact that absent uh, a head coach who's demanding and driving and has the experience and the personality and all the other things to say, this is what it will take that USC will, will get there. I just, I don't see that. Yeah. I just, I, I don't see that. Um, Dan, you brought up the point about uh, reasons that, you know, maybe uh, Mike Bone or was it all his decision to uh, keep Clay Helton? We have a voicemail. It's referencing something from the war room, but we'll, we'll, we'll allow it this time because it did cause a little bit of controversy. So I'll play this for you. We'll get everyone's thoughts. Here you go. This is Arthur in the OC. USC class of 1977. I just finished reading Gerard Martinez's War Room last Thursday. Is this true? Does Clay Helton have a $40 million buyout? Can someone confirm that? That is insanity. I mean, that just goes on to corroborate the fact that Lynn Swan was a complete and utter incompetent and got completely flim-flammed by Helton's agent. And the other thing that just – I was seething before, but now I'm TNT Dynamite. What about this thing that our big-money hotshots on the board of trustees and elsewhere didn't have the money put together? That should have been done at the latest after the Oregon game, and these guys were indecisive at that point. I can't believe that. Would you please respond to that? I, like, I want to know this $40 million number. That's just asinine. Thank you. All right. Thanks for that. Real quick, and I'll let you chime in, Dan. So Gerard does it. It's not Gerard's war room. It's a compilation of everybody that puts stuff in there. Gerard just posts it. So a lot. that's a misnomer. People think. Even though it says it, because when I used to do the war room, clear. I yeah. put it twice. It's like, this is not Keeley's war room or Gerard's. We all put stuff in there. That, what you were referring to, and we're like, we don't like to talk about the war room. That was quoted from an email, not something we're reporting on, but it was an email that we got from uh, someone that works at USC, a staff member there at USC. And that person had been told from a couple of different people that that's the, the number that was going around. Is that just what people are saying to try to make it like, uh, you know, hey, hey, this is this is why you can't fire them. It's $40 million. The number doesn't make much sense uh, to me. Bruce Feldman did report that it was more than what people thought. My gut feeling is, I don't know what the exact number is. It's a private school. It's not a good contract. It's definitely, it was, I think you're right about Lin Swan. It was a huge mistake. Whatever the number is, it's it's too big for what it should be. There was no one out trying to hire Clay Helton. Um, but that's just kind of like, 
you know, clean that up a little bit for you. And then Dan, get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I think that number represents an excuse from people inside USC who didn't want to put out money. I think that was an easy excuse. Uh, it was never qualified. Did it mean it would cost $10 million to buy out Clay and uh, a couple of assistant coaches that might have contracts and $30 million to bring in Urban Meyer and his uh, assistants and all that? That's a whole different story. I mean, we did never get any kind of clarity on what exactly this person was talking about. Yeah, we. so, uh, you know, like I said, we'll put a, put a little follow-up in the war room because I did do a follow-up with that USC staff member of exactly what was going on. He did say he didn't think it included the Urban Meyer stuff, but I agree with Dan. I think it's more about, um, was this some kind of excuse? It's a number that was passed around, at least by a few people inside USC. Uh, so, you know, it, it does that to me like, Keely, I think it's more of an excuse. Was it, I think some people are confused, was it the specific buyout number for Clay Helton or was that number what it would take to get everyone out of there? I, I, it must be, I think it's people coming up with some number like, look, it would be $40 million to get rid of them. And I'm sure it's assuming all these other things because that's yeah. bigger than its contract and stuff. Um, and there were some, you know, some great lawyers that were posting in that thread on the Peristyle saying that you can't legally have a buyout like bigger than the, you know, there's, there's legal ramifications. You can't do that. But I think it was at least what they were trying to do is tell people it's bad. But my gut feeling is it's a bad contract. It was terrible. Uh, you, you have uh, Jimmy Sexton just fleecing USC, fleecing Lynn Swan, who's very inexperienced at this, but there's other people around too that had to like have some kind of checkpoint there and like not yeah. let him do that. And maybe there was some ego involved that Lynn's like, yeah, this is what's best for USC. I'll just do it. Uh, who knows? But it it was it was bad. It seems bad. Even yeah. Bruce Feldman uh, was reporting that it was bigger than what people had originally said too, right. as well. So by all accounts, it seems like it was not a good thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, unfortunately, uh, Dan Weber has to step out for a bit. So we're going to finish the show, just Keely and myself. Uh, he had some matters to take care of. So uh, any of the questions that are meant for Dan, they're going to be now me and Keely the rest we'll of the way. We'll do our best Dan impersonation. We'll see Dan uh, uh, practice a little bit later today. Uh, before we jump into that, though, I want to tell everybody uh, about SeatGeek because you want to get, you know, do you want to go to the Holiday Bowl? I know there's some people debating. I think you should go. So, you know, it's it's a fun time to go down to the bowl. Now, is it my favorite stadium in the world? No, but you get to go see USC football. They only get, they're going to play 13 times in a year. You want to be able to see what you can see. And that's an opportunity that you, you don't want to miss a big opportunity like that. But SeatGeek has a great way for you to get your tickets. They have millions of live events in their database and they have a price match guarantee. So they prove that there's a better way to buy tickets online. And specifically for USC football, you can pull up the queue or what is it called down there? Whatever the stadium is in San Diego. They changed it's it. It's not Qualcomm anymore. It's not Qualcomm. I don't know. Whatever. It used I think to be it's Jack like the SDCC. Something like, something. oh, maybe that. Well, it's that's the, the uh, credit. That's what the, the, the whole name is. Yeah. Um, I actually it used know. to be Jack Murphy back in the day. Uh, Padres, all this stuff. There. But if you want to go, you could check it out and they show the entire bowl. They show the stadium and there's all these green dots everywhere showing you what the best deals for tickets are uh, to go for USC at the Holiday Bowl. So make sure you go check that out. There's a scale of one to 10 and it's all on that interactive map. So the better seats, there'll be green dots and then the, the overpriced seats will be a little red dot. So you can kind of check that out. And where do you want to sit? Do you want to sit 50 yard line? Do you want to sit in the end zone? You can do all that. So right now, SeatGeek is going to give you $10 off your first purchase. So you download the SeatGeek app, 
Use the promo code USC and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code USC for $10 off your first purchase. Make sure you go check SeatGeek out. It right. is the SDCCU Stadium. Is it? So that, so do you remember a couple of years ago when USC went, they didn't even have a a title sponsor for the Holiday Bowl because it used to be like Pacific Life for a long time. I think it became San Diego Credit Union. And then they weren't the, the and then it was like a USC alumni like his personal company or some finance company or something. Like do you really? remember that it was like it was uh yeah, that, that was the Wisconsin one a few years back. And I think we me and Dan actually talked to the guy and uh yeah, so it was like the USC alumni like his company it's not like a company you would need like to sponsor a bowl for it was, it was like a private equity company or something like that i don't remember but yeah it was it was weird but now the san diego credit union's back on it so that's good yeah so we have an email from kevin class of 08 who says hi ryan and company um he's kevin from sun devil country now that clay Heldon has the quote full and financial support from the university unquote uh what excuses could be used for next year's failures and not winning? It's the same dog and pony show, and we've now added two more clowns in bone, bone and fault. This is his words, not mine. In all this madness, I feel bad for the players not being developed to their full potential and cannot blame the L.A. recruits going east or up north to Oregon. Fight on to victory, Kevin, class of 08. So, first of all, Keely, why were you calling uh, the president and the AD clowns? Like, that doesn't seem professional. The reason why I add that little tag is for <laughs> trolls like you who try and get me in trouble. So, Kevin wrote yeah, Kevin, we don't want to be personal with, uh, you know, personal insults. We don't like that kind of stuff. We don't, yeah, not, we don't, not worth it. We don't need that. Um, as far as what are the excuses going to be for next year? Well, people keep asking. I mean, for two years, what question have you been asked the most? It's like, what's it going to take for Clay Helton to keep his job or get fired? I cannot answer that anymore. I'm not going to because I answered he should have been fired after 2018 and he should have been fired after 2019. And Last I checked, I was wrong on both accounts. So I apparently am not an expert in this uh, this area. Um, hey, I warned you on the live show. You're like, Keely, put some money on it. Who, what's going to happen to Clay Helton? I was like, I'm not saying anything. You, yeah. So uh, I warned you. I what will the excuses be? I think if you can make up, ex- you can make up whatever you want. Like there's going to be positive things that happen. It's USC football. You're going to have Keaton Slovis. You're going to have great wide receivers. Um, there could be injuries. There could be whatever, and you could justify bringing somebody back. Because most likely, I mean, if USC doesn't win the South next year, they'll probably finish second. They'll probably be close. I mean, Utah's losing a lot. I think USC is going to be the favorite to win the yeah. South next year. So all the people that are like, Clay Helton's the worst coach ever. I don't think he's the worst coach ever. Probably not a great coach, but he's in a situation where he could still win the South. And that's a great, that's a great excuse not to fire somebody. Um, Progress. Pro- yeah, there's... So, yeah, there there could be uh, definitely some excuses there built in. It's really going to be, and I think Bruce Feldman said it great heading into the season, what do you see, did he do enough this year to live, to, you know, to survive, this next year survive? What about for the next five years? Do you see a championship coming? Recruiting is on the way down, you know. Um, performance has been not great the last two years. and Losing 11 games despite having the most talent in the conference. Do you feel like this is the coach and this is the staff that's going to bring you to a national championship in five years. If not, probably time to cut bait. USC hasn't done that. So it would be more about uh, do the excuses to not fire him go away as opposed to what are the excuses to keep him. I think the longer it goes and the the more years you get under that terrible contract that Lidswan signed him to, 
then I think it makes it easier. So there's less reasons that you need excuses to bring them back, I would say. True. But it also points back to the question that we keep asking. What does this university and administration want from the football team? Yeah. Are they happy with eight, nine win seasons? You know? I, I, you know, what's funny. And I did talk to, I should probably put this in the war room, but we'll just say it here because Ooh. what the hell, you know? Uh, <laughs> you're I, still listening this far. I talked to somebody that, that works at USC and they brought up, they go, hey, USC could win nine games this year. How often do you think that happens? So there's ways to justify it where, yeah, now, I mean, back in the day, it was hard to win nine games because you played 10, you know? Now you're playing 13 or 14 um, if you make a championship game. Nine wins isn't really that great of a thing, but there's people that are going to say, hey, it doesn't happen very often, you know, outside of the Pete Carroll era. That's just, you know, it's not really been a big deal. Achilles looking at me like someone really told me this, like this was a real thing from someone that's been around this football program for decades. And so can you, you is that an excuse? Probably. But that's something else you could say that it just it's not that easy to win nine games. USC fans are going to go out of their mind saying like USC should, and especially right now with the Pac-12 being down, if USC was just competent, they would be winning the Pac-12 every year. Like I'm, I, I can guarantee you that. Like if USC showed an average level of competence, they would win the Pac-12. They're not, but there's just so many advantages that even you know showing levels of incompetence, you can win eight or nine games. So I don't know. So sorry, war room people. That's uh, that's I know it's depressing, but like when they said that to me, I'm like, man, you've like lowered the bar. It's like expectations have just been lowered so much. Which goes back to the whole point that we kept hearing from fans when Bone brought Clay Helton back was fans were saying, I'm tired of wanting more from this football program than the football program itself yep. wants. You know, and it, it just seems exhausting. I think from a fan perspective because. If your standards are higher than the team, you know, and granted, I'm not saying that the team doesn't want to win championships or whatnot, yeah. but that that antidote you had, you know, it just, I don't know. I'm no, speechless because I can't. It's I can't. like my, my team growing up went, uh, was the Pittsburgh Pirates. Baseball was my first love. I love the Pirates. Interesting. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, living outside of Pittsburgh, they won couple World Series when I was there in the 70s. And the, the Steelers were great, too. I love them. But, you know, they won four Super Bowls when I was a kid. And right now, I, I can guarantee you the Pirates want to win. But they're not going to do what it takes to win. They would like to win. It would ni- it'd be nice for the Pirates to win. But they're not going to spend anywhere near the money that the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cubs or anything. They're not going to be doing that. Now, could they? I mean, they would probably have to. I mean, uh, with real you know bottom line money stuff i think it's hard but they they would like to win i think usc would like to win are they willing to go take those steps where get out of your comfort zone a little bit adjust it's not just like doing what you used to do it's adjusting to the times changing with what everyone else is doing everyone else is putting in huge amounts of resources into their football program into the athletic department is usc willing to do that usc redid the galen center for the exact number of staff members that Lane Kiffin had in 2010, not thinking forward of that's going to grow. Like they basically, you had like one football recruiting assistant at the time, not 30 like other schools do. Like not the Galen Center. The I'm sorry, the John McKay Center. Yeah, yeah. not the, yeah. Excuse me, with the Galen Center, the John McKay Center. Like basically, was built to whatever Lane Kiffin had at that that point. That's not forward thinking, you know. And yeah. I think for you, what you want to be a winner and keep winning. 
you got to have some forward thinking. And I, I just, I'm not seeing it from USC right now. Yeah, which is a big question and probably puts fear in some fans' hearts for sure. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, but well, this is like kind of depressing. Dan leaves and we get all like, <laughs> yeah, we got doing dude, gloomy. Curtis is like, you know, throwing the, the iPod against the wall right now. Speaking of which, we have an email from him. Hey, Curtis. Let's, um, let's hear from him. It's actually for Dan, but I'm sure you can take over. He says, Dan, I can't believe I heard you say that Cliff Kingsbury only came to USC to be a head coach instead of Clay Helton finding and hiring the coordinator he wanted. Can't read Kingsbury's mind, but I, kn- I do know this. Clay Helton either offered him the job before everybody, including several NFL teams, or Clay and USC beat all the competition for him. Too hard to give credit to Clay, who ma- had to make two offensive coordinator hires in the same year he did a very good job with both hires he is the same in the same situation now but you guys will never give him credit for what he did and then in parentheses he says agenda question mark curtis from Moreno valley hey curtis i think dan does have an agenda i wish he was here to defend himself but let's just go with that like dan has an agenda no it's for that um i i believe you know cliff kingsbury came from a head coaching position he didn't want his desire was not to be Clay Helton's offensive coordinator. That was looked like the best opportunity he was going to have at the time. And yeah, I think Clay Helton gets credit for bringing in, knowing that, hey, whatever offense I've been running is not going to work. Um, I'm, you know, he thought he was an X and O guy, really wasn't an X and O guy when it comes to the offense. And you brought in a good, great X and O guy who leaves because it's a weird situation because he happened to, you know, he, he knows Sean McVay, so he was going to get a head coaching job just like everybody else. And then, you bring in the next best thing in uh, Graham Harrell. Now, the interesting part is, Curtis, I've talked to different experts around. There wasn't an obvious replacement for Graham Harrell. Like, there was an obvious replacement for Cliff Kingsbury. Not so much with Graham Harrell. So, keeping Graham Harrell was very important. Uh, if you got to give Clay Elton credit for doing that or the administration, everyone, they had to step up and they needed to do that. It was very, very important. He was that shining star on the staff. So, you got him. But as far as Kingsbury goes... He was, he, yes, of course he wanted to be a head coach. Like he was a head coach. Um, and then people started to realize like, Hey, this offense is amazing. Uh, okay. I know Texas tech fired him, but let's bring him in and you know, he can coach in the NFL. And so it was a, it was a, you know, good hire. I don't care. I mean, buyouts for, um, assistant coaches. I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in that, but you know, the NFL went a little crazy and they, they ended up bringing him in and hiring him. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any agenda, Curtis, um, but to say that Cliff Kingsbury was aspiring to be USC's offensive coordinator, I don't think would be correct. He wants to be a head coach. Didn't think he would have an opportunity to get fired from a middle level power five job to an NFL job, but it's a crazy business and that's what happened. Yep. Just to clarify, there's no agenda. I know Ryan, people think that you're too snarky or too I negative, a little snarky. but there's not an agenda. Correct. No, I, I mean, we all like Clay Helton. Like, it would be our jobs would be much easier if Clay Helton was a great head coach and won a bunch of games and did things the right way. But we don't think he is. And, you know, we like him. We're seeing evidence of talent being wasted. We're seeing evidence of not really going out on a limb when it comes to hiring assistant coaches, keeping things very familiar, sort of like slowly integrating things. So if he makes some more changes after the bowl game, it's like things you could have done like the year you took over. It's taking you like five years to fix because there's a loyalty there. And I get it. I mean, but it's his first time being a head coach also. I mean, a lot of the blame goes to the administration. We crush them all the time too. Do you blame Clay Helton for keeping the USC head coaching job, wanting it? 
keeping it and wanting to do everything in his power to keep it as long as he can? No, everyone would do that in that situation. Doesn't mean he's great at it. I don't think he's great at it. I don't think he's a very good head coach, but here you are. And we're going to tell you what we think. There's no agenda. Like I said, our jobs would be much, much easier if Clay Helton was Pete Carrolling it and just going to uh, the playoff every year. But that that's not the case. Like, you know how many times USC has been to the college football playoff? On the top of your head, Keely. Mm, let me think. Zero. That's insane. You. This is the Ohio State, the Alabama, the Texas, or Oklahoma of the West Coast, of the whole West Coast, and haven't been to the playoff once. That's incompetence. That's that's awful. Like that. I don't. I'm, I'm going to be nice. <laughs> that should never happen. And because of the bad decisions at the top, the administration on down. That's where USC is right now. The fact that they've never gone to a college football playoff, never really even sniffed it, makes absolutely no sense. No, I completely agree. It's not fun being critical, and there's no agenda to it. We'd much rather be talking about a semifinal semifinal playoff or something right now rather yeah. than what we're doing right now. Imagine, I'm going to go to the Fiesta Bowl, you know? I'm going to jealous about. I'm okay. going to go cover that. I'm going to help our Clemson site out. So, nice. Yeah, so it should be good, but... You know, I've been to a national championship game at the at the Rose Bowl for uh, Auburn and, and Florida State. You know, like I'm doing that to cover for other teams because the team I cover doesn't get to do those things. So they should be able to do those things and they're not. So it's not agenda, Curtis. Sorry about that. On the other side, uh, we actually have two oh. emails that oh. are want us to be more critical. Uh, so first off, uh, Frank of Irvine, class of 2004 of USC, says, it's for Dan, but he says, Dan, you continue to write stories about how soft as clay this team is and how they practice or don't practice. But when are you and other journalists going to start holding this coach accountable? We're stuck with this coach for the foreseeable future, and I'm tired of it and want this coach to feel it live on every interview. This is why he's so nice and so soft. Uh, The media doesn't pound on him. I want this man to crawl into his hat and hide of embarrassment. Asking why his team hasn't had any bowl practices while his opponent has had three isn't insulting. It's a fact, not an opinion. Don't let him talk about it's a losing season and blah, 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 excuses, excuses. Please tell him that other mediocre college football playoff teams uh, or college football teams tackle to the ground. I beg you and your fellow journalists uh, to just pound the message of all his coaching missteps. It's not if he's not going to change, please make this a very uncomfortable year for him. It's going to be for us as fans and alumni if you're not seeing any changes please hold this person accountable at every step so that was frank and then um trojan ray from south southwest florida said to anyone on the staff who cares about the bs being shoveled by the ad um so so in this email he actually included a interview that mike bone did with a usc annenberg student and so he's pretty upset about it um so he was saying why does everyone not hold people like mike bone uh to what they say, you know, how he said how they didn't have any other candidates that he looked for with Clay Helton, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my paraphrase of Trojan Ray's uh, email. Basically, both of those two emailed in wanting us to ask harder questions. Right. So here's the thing. So Trojan was it Frank and Trojan Ray? Yes. Um, so some people think our job is to support the football team. Why are you guys not more loyal? Can't you uh, just be more supportive, be more positive? That's not our job as journalists. It is also not our job to... To be a trial lawyer. <laughs> yes, we're the, that's not what we're here to do. We can't, we've said this a million times, there's not going to be some gotcha moment where you you ask Clay Helton the right question, he's be like, you know, we just never wanted to practice hard because I'm not a very good coach and I quit. Like, that's not happening. I'm sorry, I know that's some fantasy you may have, but that's not what we do. We can put that, we ask, 
Dan's asked plenty of questions. We've all asked questions like, hey, well, why is this happening? Or what you, know, you ask something about special teams. You ask something about how many times they practice. Or if you ask about tackling, they're going to give you the spinny answer that they're going to say, and then they move on. Like there's, you can't force them to, you know, to have the, what was the, what was the movie I always bring Perry up? Perry Mason. No, well, Perry Mason, but also the one with like Tom Cruise. And, oh, uh, uh, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. You, you can't handle the truth. And you know, uh, I ordered the, the red light or whatever it is. Uh, uh, legal, no, few good men or something. A few good, few men, good yeah. men. Yeah. Um, that like, that's what you want us to do. And like, just get up there like, no, Clay, you didn't practice because of, and no, like that's not our jobs either. We're going to ask the questions. And I think a lot of the times you point out things that, you know, we notice, um, you know, when shotgun points out for the fifth or eighth or whatever time that USC's had less than 11 men on a field for a special teams play that makes them address it. So I think, there's there's ways we do hold the the coaches accountable by asking those questions. I think even John Baxter, when Shotgun was talking to him one time, didn't realize Shotgun had like the data, and so you kind of give the spinny answer, and then it's like, nope, he knows because he's counted the number of players. I think what actually happened was, well, do you know how many plays he played? And Shotgun went, yes, I do. Yeah. And told him it was a pretty funny moment because Shotgun, you know, counts the number of plays everybody plays and things like that. So I think in those kind of situations, guys, like, will hey, we, you know, what I wrote about um, recently was USC kickoff returns, and I was like, you know what? Why does USC keep returning the ball? And not getting out to the 25. And I just said in the press box, like, I bet you USC leads the nation in kickoff returns that fail to get to the 25-yard line. So I did some research, and then I pull up, like, of all the Power 5 teams, nobody returned more kickoffs than USC. So, like, the overall kickoff yardage would be higher, but the, also the number of kickoffs they brought, you know, that they started inside the 25 were lower. It made John Baxter answer the question. I think Shotgun or Dan asked them, and... And he said, hey, we're trying to break one and stuff. And, well, they broke one in, in the first game against Fresno State. They haven't since. And really, the, the, the returns have been terrible. We can't force them to do something, but we can write about that, bring it up, ask them questions about it. And then, you know, at least the fans are aware. And then it makes them kind of, you know, do something a little bit different. I think they've returned. After I wrote that article, they returned fewer kickoffs. They they fair caught more balls. They, they still were returning more, but... Bayless got hurt, though. And so, Bayless got hurt, so that yeah. might have been part of it. Um, but those are just things that we can do as as journalists. We're not going to get up there and, like, pound our chest and, like, force, you know, we're not forcing them to do whatever they want. But we can make observations, write about it, and then fans know about it, and they'll talk about it on Twitter. Then the, it happens in a coaching's meeting where Clay Helton will go, you know what, we can't do this anymore. We have to do this. I did the same thing with Sark. Like, they were, at the time, they, uh, when Justin Wilcox was the defensive coordinator, they blitzed fewer than anyone in the power five. And I wrote a story or whatever, put it up. We asked Sark about it. Sark wasn't real happy, but guess what? They blitzed more after that. So those are things we can do just by making observations and writing about it. And sometimes you guys see something and you tell us, they're like, oh, that's an interesting point. Maybe we'll look it up, but we can't force them to do anything. We're not going to force Clay Helton to resign by asking him a bunch of hard questions like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. And what I think some people forget is that it's still a relationship. It's a working relationship. And we see these people all the time. And it, you can't necessarily burn that bridge because if you do, 
then it complicates other things when you want to break stories or have an important interview. Then it's like, oh, you're that guy who is rude to me all the time. You know, yeah. it's 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 a a give and a take, and you kind of have to play your cards right in that sense as well. You want to show respect. I mean, this is a professional. You know, people are professionals. We're going to be professionals on our side. Clay Helton and his staff, they're going to be professionals on their side. Um, so you're going to show them respect. You could, but doesn't mean you can't ask them tough questions. We will. Yeah. But you're not going to be a jerk about it either. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no. Yeah. So it's not. You know, I, we know he doesn't have an easy job, but he does get paid a lot of money. And you know, in our estimation, he's not performing up to the the level of of what USC expectations are. A lot of fans are. So I mean, that's that stuff we'll point out, and you know, we'll continue to do that. But we can't force anything to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're relying on us. That's a problem. Like you know, we're we're we'll do what we can. We can only do so much. I mean, like, even when we asked about John Baxter after special teams mishaps, Clay returned with the answer of, I trust John Baxter on this step. You know, stuff like that where even if we do ask that, you're not going to get what you want because Clay Helton is going to answer how he's going to answer. And you've, as fans, have said that you don't like it. So there's not really a a great solution here. No. It's funny. I I don't want to bash Baxter all that much, but that's, you know, that's kind of what, that's true. That's what was happening is we would bring that up and Clay Helton's going to say, He's, you know, he's the greatest special teams coach in the country. You know, Keeley does a gif of how many snaps Toa Lobendon missed, you know, during a season. And, you know. It was just the ASU game. And Clay says it's the love of his life. You know, it's like that's, you know, you can point stuff out, but it doesn't mean you're going to get a a result. You're going to get a change. Yeah. Um, Let's move on to an interesting question from Tom. He says, why is intentional grounding a foul and spiking a ball not a foul? It's the same thing, stopping the clock. I am confused. Tom. I mean, so basically what people would do, I think when the rule came about was that instead of having to throw a stupid pass that you know you weren't going to try to do anyway, you're allowed to spike it into the ground right in front of you. That's a, I mean, it's a spike. It's a, it's allowed. Intentional grounding is you're trying to avoid a sack. So, um, you know, if someone's about to sack you, you just throw it away, you throw it sideways or something that then no. So it's it's sort of like if they changed. I don't even know if they did this in baseball. Like the uh, intentional walk. Like, do you have to? Can you just say walk? Like in some leagues, you can just say walk. Can you do it now in the NFL? Yeah, in the MLB, you can just uh, intentional walk without having to do the four pitches. Right. So that, I mean, that's basically like, like we know what you want to do. You don't have to. We're not going to make you throw a pass out to the side. Like, just you're going to spike the ball. You can spike the ball. So it's just a separate rule. So nothing crazy there. Yeah. Is that a good analogy? Probably the, the intentional so. walk is pretty good. I think, I think yeah. so. Well done. Yeah. Do we really have to throw four pitches? And uh, now, to be fair, one of those pitches might, you know, you might overthrow it and then you get a crazy guy on second happen. base goes to third or something. Or you're trying to spike it and the ball slips out of your hands and you fumble or whatever. Or you throw it, you're trying to throw it sideways and you throw a pick six, you know, like, yes, but they just made a rule to kind of make things easier. Yeah. So hopefully we we clarify yeah. that for you, Tom. Let's uh, take a quick break and we'll come back and finish things. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Alrighty, we have one final email, and it's from John in Oakland, who has an interesting proposition. He says, hello all, a question for Dan, aka Ryan. This weekend I watched the Army-Navy game, which other than USC versus Notre Dame and USC versus UCLA is my favorite rivalry game in all of sports. A question was asked to you recently about the LA Memorial Coliseum hosting a postseason college bowl game, and you thought this was a bad idea. USC is about to lose $3 million a year in rent from the Rams after they moved to Inglewood. USC's Auxiliary Services Department needs to book some big replacement events outside of the six or seven Trojan home games held in the Coliseum to offset this loss. The last and only time the Army-Navy game was held in California was in 1983 at the Rose Bowl. Next year's game will be in Philadelphia and in 2021 at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. The games after this have not been yet have not yet been awarded. In my opinion, this is the one football game that only looks right when played outdoors in December and not covered in a temperature-controlled stadium like the Rams' new home. Wouldn't the Coliseum, that was dedicated as a memorial to World War I veterans, be a perfect setting for this game with the torch lit at the beginning of the game and keep it lit for the entire game in the capacity crowd evenly split between uniformed army cadets and navy midshipmen standing as their uh, as is their tradition for the whole game can you picture that so what about usc putting in a bid to host at the coliseum a future army navy game fight on john in oakland hey john i like that um that'd be kind of cool it's a cool know? visual for sure yeah the, so 1983 it was at the rose bowl i think they've it's typically like New York, Philly, uh, you know, Maryland or whatever, like, up, you know, just in the little eastern seaboard area. But um, I would love that. Yeah, I've never been to one. That would be like kind of a bucket list thing. They'd be pretty cool. And you, know, you got bases on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? The big is it big Navy one in uh, San Diego's got a San bunch. San Diego there. is big. And then um, Point uh, Mugu, I believe it's by uh, Oxnard. Okay. So yeah, Oxnard a, has an Air Force base, I believe. Yes. Uh, but you need Don't an army one. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's some out here and stuff too. But anyway, yeah, I, that sounds good to me, John. Uh, I don't know all the logistics of that. I'm not sure if this would be some big moneymaker or something, but certainly uh, that's something to be interesting to, to put in there. And it's, you know, the call seems a lot nicer now, newly renovated and stuff. Mm-hmm. Probably a good capacity, 77,000 or so for the game. Uh, when We would cover the, the it's now just the, all-American Bowl in San Antonio, but the Army All-American Bowl, they have a big base down there in San Antonio, and uh, they they put a whole bunch of people in there. They loved it. It was you know for a high school all-star game. You'd see the one, the Under Armour one in Orlando, and it'd be like not that many people there. But for the San Antonio one, the Army people showed up. So I'm curious now that the Army's not there, what um, what the attendance is going to be like. Interesting, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, I like that. It sounds so really cool, especially on the West Coast. Yeah, give some West Coast love. Yeah, we don't we don't get that, you know. Yeah, I know. Now there's not going to be snow and stuff, but uh, but that might be cool though. Right, like a, a sunny version of the game. Yeah, I think this last one they didn't. It was kind of cold, but they didn't. Uh, there wasn't like snow, but there's been some snowy games and mm-hmm. things like that. So cool stuff. Uh, and then you know, college game day. Com- so USC could get college game day. Kinda. Well, not technically. <laughs> sort of. In a way, I guess. It's been a while. Maybe. I like this, John. There's a thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think it's going to wrap it up, Keely. Um, nice job finishing strong. We had, we got, I got a few rants going. Well done. When Dan's not around, I can rant, right? Sure. You know? sure. I try not to. I don't want to rant too much when Dan's around. Let Dan rant. It's know? Dan's. It's Dan's pod. He does the ranting. Yeah. Hopefully, we we made up for his absence. We know we're not right. Dan. Sorry about we that. We try. You know. So uh, keep sending the questions in. Um, we'll. Yeah, we'll probably have to do stuff on the road. It's going to be Christmas time. I know. Because next Tuesday is going to be Christmas Eve. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. We're probably not going to do one of that. <laughs> um, 
We'll figure we'll figure it out though. We'll we'll the schedule will probably modify a little bit mm-hmm. uh, going forward. But happy holidays! Yeah, happy holidays, it. everybody! Merry mm-hmm. Christmas, Happy New Year, Kwanzaa, We're whatever. For all of Hanukkah. You. Wait, wait. When's Hanukkah this year? Is it? it didn't happen, right? I don't. <laughs> You're asking the wrong Sorry. person. <laughs> I'm not. I'm uh, I'm actually Catholic. I'm not Jewish, but people think I'm Jewish because my last name is Abraham. So mm-hmm. I get people like, oh, Happy Hanukkah. I'm like, oh, I'm Catholic, but that's okay. Sunday, uh, December twenty second to Monday, December thirtieth. My birthday is starts Hanukkah. <laughs> But Hanukkah moves like it goes. Sometimes it's like December tenth or something, right? Like it's it moves a lot. Um, interesting. So I wasn't sure, but yeah, happy everything to everybody. Happy. That's holidays. why you just say happy holidays, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's inclusive, all inclusive. So that I miss something. You're like, hey, you didn't say happy. Mm-hmm. And then you're a horrible Boxing person. Day or whatever. Horrible like, person. Dang. How dare you? How dare me? Okay, well, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, that is Keely Your. I am Ryan Abraham for Dan Weber. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy the bowl game, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.